Juggling motherhood and modern day life can be stressful and relentless, but it doesn't need to be this way. The Joy of Being podcast is the answer to maternal mental health, bringing sustainable relief and calm to hardworking mums everywhere so that you your family and work can thrive. My name is Marina Pearson and I'm your host, transformational coach and mum who loves to interview business owners, transformational professionals and creatives to have insightful conversations about what it takes to really live a life that is thriving, fulfilling and full of joy. And as the summer holidays have finally sprung upon us, I've decided to dedicate the following weeks to picking the most popular shows to create the Stay Safe summer series to help those of you who find this time of year a bit hellish to give you your sanity back and if you're feeling like you're going nuts and are thinking i just need a fucking break and want a quick sustainable fix you're in luck as i'm gifting an instant mum relief accelerator call worth 500 pounds to 25 lucky hard-working mums who want some instant relief from the madness if that is you go to bit.ly slash instant mum relief that's bit.ly slash instant mum relief where you can book your call. You can also find the link in the show notes. And on today's episode of the Stay Sane Summer Series number one, I decided to pick Liz Patron's interview that we did way back when. And the reason for that was not only because it was one of the most popular downloads that we've had since launching this podcast, but also the topic. I decided to change the title of it because actually when I re-listened to it, what I really realized is that we've talked a lot about the loneliness of mothering and how it can often feel like we're the only ones going through that particular episode. And I thought it would be a very relevant topic, especially when it comes to the summer, it may look like you're going it alone, but just as a reminder that you're not, just as a reminder that you can always reach out, just as a reminder that you don't have to go it alone and that you're not on your own. And so if you're curious about Liz and what she's up to, she's a writer, she's a blogger, she's a teller of stories, believer in truth and a mama to four. So she knows a little bit about how to ride this motherhood wave of loneliness. And in so doing, she shares her stories on lizpatrone.com and all over the internet. She actually recently finished her book and she can also be found on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And I've met her in person and she's an amazing woman and deeply gifted with her writing. So if you fancy not feeling alone so much and want to chime to the, oh my God, me too, then this is going to be a great episode for you to either re-listen to, replay to, or listen to the first time. Enjoy and stay sane. So welcome, Liz. I'm super excited to have you here today. Um, And you know, like with life, uh, I just, I don't even know how I found you. I, I guess I googled uh, mom's business life and you came up and then I got curious yeah. about what you're up to in the world and then found your wonderful blog and your heartfelt way of looking at life and the raw and real way that you express yourself. So I'm really excited to have this raw and real conversation with you today. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for um, reaching out and inviting me to have this conversation. I, I am excited as well. So Liz, I'm curious about something. I'm curious about how you got started with your blog, how you got started with this whole sense of needing to express what was going on for you. Because um, obviously you're a mama. Yep. And yeah, so I'm just curious about how how your journey started. Well, um, I, I had, when I started writing, which was maybe four or five years ago, 
um, on the blog. And I use the term blog loosely because really it was just like me writing things on the internet and my one aunt reading them, you know, <laughs> my <laughs> one aunt who has faithfully read everything I've ever written and always responded to me. Um, but I had, at the time I had three young kids. Um, I had just had my third baby and, um, after her, I ended up with postpartum depression for the first time. I had never had that with the other two. So I had my third child, um, like clawed my way back out of postpartum depression. And I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to talk about the reality of postpartum depression of, you know, how hard it is to have small children and try to be a working mother. Although I, I mean, I think it's hard whether you're a working mother or not, that's just is my situation. Um, and the thing is, I didn't have any time to talk to anybody because I had three young children. So I, I found that the words were going to come out one way or the other and sticking them on a page on the internet um, seemed as good a method as any. And then slowly, you know, people started saying, oh my gosh, me too, which is like the most amazing thing that can happen. I think when you're in that situation, when you're in any situation where you feel alone, um, and so then things just kind of grew from there because it seems like this amazing way to connect with people um, when I wasn't necessarily able to, you know, leave the house or put on pants. Yeah, I really, you know, it's interesting because I didn't realize that I had postpartum depression either. And um, it was only until after I was through it that I realized and people, you know, the women that I was around would start talking about it that kind of also... Um, pointed me in the direction they were like I think you must have had it and I was like oh my god yeah. um I never really realized um until after the fact and yeah. you know I I think what you how you started is so beautiful because you're so right it is uh such a lonely journey especially because we're all in our heads right so right <laughs> We only think it's only happening to us unless we talk about it. But it's a big taboo, do you not think? Have you did you not find that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's funny that you say that about not not really realizing you had it until after because my my presentation wasn't very classic either, or what I thought was a classic presentation of postpartum depression. So there's a lot of that dialogue like, Oh well, this can't be this can't be that because I'm not, I don't look like, you know, they presented on TV or I don't look like I've heard other stories of, um, which is part of why I think it's super important to keep talking about that kind of stuff and say, here is my experience, you know, which may be different than your experience, which may be different from the experience of your neighbor down the street. You know what I mean? So that people realize that there are all these different ways that you can be struggling. I don't know what it was like for you, but for me, it was very much around um, just being pretty exhausted all the time. I guess that's quite normal, oh, but not being able yeah. to connect with my son. That was the most difficult part of all. Yeah. I just didn't want to hold him. I didn't, you know, I was just like, I just need to sleep. I need to recuperate, but not ha actually right. having the capacity to do so. Um, and then there's the guilt that you feel because you feel like you're not connecting with your newborn, you know, and yeah. we put all that guilt on ourselves because we feel like we're not meeting expectations. Yeah, that's a tough cycle to be in. Yeah. So I'm curious about how you got yourself out. Like, was it through the writing? Was it through just expressing yourself and having insights around that for yourself? What was it that, that over a period of time allowed you to, to move through it? I, I did 
end up going to, to the doctor and, and asking for some treatment. Actually, I went to, I've written about this, but I went to my gynecologist or my OB for my follow-up and I said, I, I think I might be struggling here. And the doctor said to me, I don't know what you're looking for. I'm not a psychologist, which I, every time I tell the story, I get infuriated all over again. That was a setback that took me a little while to recover from, but I had, you know, I had people in my life that were pushing me towards getting help, thank God. So I, I did end up finding um, a doctor and getting on some meds and, and really um, going through therapy and all of that stuff, you know, which I think is super important in postpartum depression treatment, you know, and there's no shame in any of that. But then finally enough, after that is when I started writing. It's also when I started, I, I became certified to be a yoga teacher. Um, I started really saying, okay, what do I want out of this life? Like what is going to keep me healthy and whole and able to parent these babies in a way that is authentic, you know? And I really like took time and said, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue do these things that make me feel healed and authentic and whole. Um, even though it's hard, you know, it's hard to take the time. It's hard to uh, make the commitment. It's hard to justify, but I'm going to do it. And writing was part of that. You know, it was a big part of that. So what I really hear is that you just made it a priority. Um, so often we can get caught up in thinking that we don't have the time, but actually if we don't make it a priority, if it's not something that, we go, yep, this is really important to me. It just doesn't get done. And what I love about what you're saying is, is you put yourself first and you really saw how important that was for you to be able to then be able to look after everybody else in your family. Yeah. And I, I saw my, my two older children when I had the baby were old enough that they knew that I wasn't okay when I was struggling. Um, and so I thought them seeing me pursuing being okay, you know, choosing these healthy things to do, even if it involves me being taken away from the house a little bit more than normal, it's important that they see that, you know, it's important that they see me doing healthy stuff for myself because then I'm in a healthy place to parent them. So I don't see, I mean, I think a lot of times we think that these choices are selfish, but I don't think that they are. I think that we're making the best choice to be the best parent that we can be. Yeah, I don't know where along the lines we decided that actually being a really great mom was to spend as much time with our children as possible and not look after ourselves. Like I really... (laughs) That really makes no sense to me. And maybe at some point it did, but it doesn't now. And I totally get how our past generation, right, for some reason or another, was like selflessness to your children is not looking after yourself and basically spending all your time with them and regardless of how you're feeling, as opposed to going, no, let me look 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 after me first because that's actually being able to look after everybody else. And I question what sort of life lessons we we are teaching our children with that, that approach to parenthood, you know, because what happens to them when they're in the same situation, the thought of my daughters or even my sons, you know, totally sacrificing everything in order to be home with their families. That doesn't give me a warm, fuzzy feeling either. I want them to continue to be vibrant, healthy human beings who love their families. You know, I think it's possible to be both, which, you know, you take a lot of slack for, for saying that on the internet, but I, I do think it's possible to be both. So what I'm curious about that. I'm curious about why we, why would you get a lot of flack on the internet because of saying that? Like, what have you found? 
Well, I mean, to be fair, for the most part, I I have wonderful people who read what I write and interact (laughs) with me, and we've built a community, and it is supportive, and I don't want to, I mean, most of the people are amazing, and they tell me their stories, and I tell them my stories, and it's a great, amazing experience, and I'm not complaining. But when when you have pieces, and I've had a couple that that go, I mean, sort of viral, which is such a silly word, but, you know, they go beyond the realm of my normal little everyday writing world, you open yourself up, you know? You open yourself up to all kinds, and I've gotten messages from all kinds. I've been called every name in the book. I've been threatened. You know, I mean, there's something I think that that really triggers some certain people about women telling their stories, women owning themselves. You know, women putting themselves out there in a way that says, "I love my life." But hey, this is hard, and it's okay for me to say that. That threatens some people. Yeah. Oh, I so, I so hear you. I, I, um, it seems like the conversation wants to go in this direction. So I'm just going to keep with it. I, uh, I wrote a book called Goodbye Mr. X years ago, about five years ago now. And it was, um, a big hit and it's been published in many different languages. Anyway, one of the, one of the things I started to do was to write a lot on, on the Huffington Post and uh, read your tango. At the time, you know, I was sharing my story because I, w- there was infertility, infertility involved and I was, I was the person that, that went ahead and did that. And I wanted to share my story because really what it was that I was wanting to do was to say, hey, all of those women that are out, it's okay. Like, yes, you make mistakes. Yes, we make mistakes. But if you're on your own and you're feeling really guilty and people are dissing you down, it's okay. I, I understand. And you're not on your own. So I was really writing it for them. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. <laughs> thousands of comments and and pretty much all like what a bitch this that you're such a cunt I mean seriously but you know one of the things that kept me going was to think you know I'm sure there are women out there that are having a really hard time that somehow somewhere this can really help them and what was interesting about it was a few months later I got an email from a lady that said thank you so much for writing that article it really helped me and it really got me out of a big big fix of 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 guilt forth and so on and i'm not saying and that, that's what matters yeah. i mean that yeah. that is that is what matters you know i mean to me that's worth it i can yeah. say that because um i've recovered mostly from my PTSD that i had from what's happened <laughs> but i mean and what and what an important topic to be bringing voice to because there's so much taboo involved in that topic it's not something that's talked about you know so to be on the forefront talking about infidelity especially as the person who committed it i mean that is it's powerful it's huge and it's threatening to people threatening to people when people are powerful very and owning it and i think this is the big thing around yeah owning owning that story and being okay with it and then going okay here we go (laughs) yeah but that gives people the freedom then to own it themselves you know which is just i mean that's what it's all about that's what storytelling is all about to me I love that. I've not seen that, but you're absolutely right. It's so true. Yeah, you know, something that that sort of came to mind was something that someone else had shared with me today, today in fact, actually. And he said, you know, listening to one of the podcasts that I I'd, I'd, I'd was on and talking about it was like, the more real you are with people, the more they can hear you. And I thought that was very mm-hmm. interesting. I'd not heard that before, where it's like, if you put your voice out there but you do it in a way that is authentic and real to you. Like there's no bullshit. There's no like tossing over it or no, it's, it's this or it's that, or, you know, and, and, and and it may well change. Your opinions may well change and your thought may well change around it, but, but where it's coming from allows for people to really hear it. And I, and, 
that's I think where where the, the transformation can really happen yeah. and it's freeing I mean it's very yeah. freeing I I go to the grocery store and I mean not not to insinuate that everybody I know reads my blog I know that they don't but a lot of people you know have come up to me and and it's like the bullshit is just out of the way you know I mean I, I'll stand in the checkout aisle and if somebody has read something and it resonated with them and they had something they want to say to me they just come up to me and say it you know we don't have to get through the talking about the weather and you know like all of the inanities before we get to the the stuff that I actually care about, the juicy stuff, you know? Like, we've already just crossed all that stuff out of the way because I said, hey, here's my here's my soul, so feel free to give me yours. And, and those little moments, I mean, they're just everything. Yeah, there's a sense of real deep connection to yeah. themselves, to your story, to life, because they see themselves in your story. And I, that's really beautiful. So one of the questions that comes to mind as I'm hearing you speak was, what are some of the insights that you've had around motherhood around because I mean it's amazing Liz that you blog and that you're working and that you have three kids and (laughs) well now I have four and now you have four like wow okay (laughs) (laughs) but no I mean it's not amazing it's not amazing it's just I I always say that I'm doing a lot of things but I'm doing none of them well so I mean I probably drop 75% of the things that I'm trying to accomplish and do one of the things really well. But (laughs) what's the fun in that? I'm just going to continue to do 500 things, kind of mediocre, maybe. (laughs) I guess it's a personal choice, right? (laughs) But I mean, like I said before, and storytelling is my thing, you know, and I don't, I don't think that that it needs to be everybody's thing. But I think that people need to find their thing that keeps them alive and vibrant and connected and healthy. I mean, you know, for some people, that's writing. For some people, that's exercising. You know, for some people, it's dance, food or cooking or I don't know. I mean, it could be anything. But I, I do think that people need to make time for that because it makes you alive in every other aspect of your life. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I am a better mother because I'm able able to write because I make time to write it makes me a better mother and now that my children are getting older my my older two especially it helps me talk to them because I'm connected you know people tell me stories I'm connected to people who blog about having older children you know who have gone before me so I'm I read their stories and I'm I feel like I'm more prepared and more connected to my kids so it's, it doesn't need to be like I'm making time to write and I'm taking it away from my family it's all kind of the same thing <laughs> I think I'm not saying that in a way that makes sense but you know I'm all I'm the same person no matter what arena I'm standing in I I'm writing as a mother and I'm mothering as a writer if that makes any sense yeah I think it does I think there's something to be said for letting that creative expression out because otherwise it will just vent itself somewhere else, you know. um. That is the thing that I am constantly telling people is find a way to let your story out. And it doesn't have to be words, you know. I mean, it could be uh, culture. I don't know. I mean, it could be anything. But find a way to let that out because that's where the transformation happens. You know, that's where the healing happens. I look at some of the words I wrote four years ago when I started and I'm not there anymore. You know, I'm not that person. And that's because those words came out. It's even like conversation what I'm finding actually through these through these podcasts is the capacity to have these conversations. And you don't know where oh, they're yeah. going to go. Like you don't right. know 
writing is going to go. It just comes out. And yeah. what I find is, is there's an insight that shows up when you listen to someone and you and you hear them really insightfully hear them. Like you insightfully hear yourself as, as you write. Like I imagine, you know, I write too. And, and one of the things I find is it just flows sometimes and it's through that flow. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even know that. <laughs> Who am I? Who is writing yeah. this for me, actually? Yeah. So I, 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 you know, any form of expression, I see it as an, as an opportunity to transform as you see it differently. Because I'm assuming that by looking back on your writing, you don't see it in the same way that you used to when you wrote it. Oh, God, no, no. I mean, and I, I, I feel connected to that person. I mean, that's what's kind of nice about having that, you know, being able to go back and look as I can say, oh, yeah, well, that's, that's how I felt then. That's who I was then and feel this connection with that instead of, you know, just struggling to remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to the latter. <laughs> So I know that before we went on this podcast, you shared something about your mother. And I was curious to follow that line of questioning and, and share more about that. Because I know as moms, you know, we have children, but like, it'd be nice to talk about being a mom, but also having had the mom and, yeah. and what your experience of that has actually been. My mother, my gr- growing up was fine. I mean, I didn't have this terrible childhood and I have to be very careful to not present it like that. I, I had a beautiful childhood, but my mother was mentally ill and got progressively worse as we got older and especially as my, my sister and I were adults and left the house. So she was also an addict and our relationship was pretty strained for the last 10 years of her life and then she took her own life four years ago, which is, I mean, it, if you're paying attention, right around when I started writing, which is no coincidence. I mean, that was yeah. that was the outlet for that, you know, and, and that was partially by design because when you live with somebody who is mentally ill and an addict um, or you love somebody a lot of times and in our situation it was a secret you know we weren't allowed to talk about any of that stuff it would have hurt my mom's feelings terribly had I you know gone around saying stuff like that had I been open with anybody about how how hard our lives were how hard hard her life was Um, and I I've said a couple times and I truly believe she she died of a disease of silence you know if if she had been able to own her story and talk about her if she had grown up in a different time when that was more encouraged, I don't think we would have ended up in the same situation. So part of the reason I believe wholeheartedly in being honest and speaking our truth is because she didn't get to. Wow. I'm feeling quite emotional right now. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't usually happen. I'm sorry. It's heavy. It is heavy. It's some heavy stuff. I've I've had a lot of practice in uh, carrying it around, but you haven't. So sorry to put it on you. No, not at all. Like there's, there's a real sense of compassion and, and, and yeah, like the disease of silence. I'd never really heard that before. And I I can really understand what you're saying in that. We stood in the receiving line, my sister and I at the funeral and every single person came through and said, I had no idea. She was so beautiful. She was so put together. She was so perfect you know, just over and over and over again. And at what cost? I mean, that's the question, you know, at what cost? Yeah, she was beautiful and had a high, powerful job and the house looked amazing and she drove the right car and wore the right clothes and, you know, but she was miserable. And it's funny because, you know, I mean, I can say that now. It's been, it's been four and a half years since she died. 
Um, but at first, when I first started writing, I was angry. You know, I was um, numb. I was a lot of other things that all came out. So that, you know, when I say that I've, I've seen this evolution in the things that I've said, that's, that's a big part of it. You know, it took me a long time to come to a place of just genuine compassion and empathy for her and, and grief. But that took time. You know, at first I just wanted to burst out of this bubble and scream, you know, hey, we weren't okay. <laughs> this wasn't okay, just so you know. All you people who thought we were okay, we were not okay. But then amazingly, you know, it, it, just like I said in the grocery store, like as soon as I said, hey, my mom was not all right and she took her own life, people started coming up to me and saying, me too. You know, my brother, my mother, my father, my husband, my wife, whatever, somebody I love. Our situation is the same. And it's another one of those things that people just really don't talk about, but it's there. And I think we should talk about it. Yeah, especially because of this disease of silence and and not there are certain taboos around certain things like death or addiction or sex infidelity right which are actually it's interesting right so it's not the thing itself it's the stories around the thing it's the the beliefs and the constructs we've made up about those very things that stop us from being able to talk about them not the thing itself. Right. What people would say, how they would react, the fear of being rejected, I guess. When I was when I was a teenager, I, I had many suicidal episodes, a lot of suicidal thinking, and I felt very alone. I didn't know, really know who to go to, and I would douse myself in alcohol. And yeah. a lot of suicidal thinking that would happen, but I didn't go out and do it until... I was in my 20s when I actually took action. Um, It didn't work, obviously, and I'm still here today. But it was a very lonely, lonely place. I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand why I felt the way I did. And I felt like I had no one to talk to because nobody really understood. Everybody else around me seemed like they had it totally together. In that moment, if there'd been someone to talk to, um, or at least that would have said me too, I can really see how that would have helped a lot in terms of having a connection, in terms of being understood, in terms of all of the things that we're all yearning for in some way, shape or form, I guess, which is to be understood, to be recognized, to to actually be loved, everything. Yep. <laughs> we are the good, the bad and the ugly, right? Yes, absolutely. But being able to share that almost breaks through this fear of, of rejection. I'm a suicide survivor myself. I attempted suicide when I was 18. And You know, a lot of people, I think, think that people who choose that, who go down that path, do so because the emotion is so overwhelming, you know, whether it's anger or sadness or depression. And and I I almost think it's the opposite. It's this numbness that comes from that sense of isolation. It's this, this idea that you're inconsequential. Nobody understands, nobody's connected to you, and nobody's going to care if you're there or not. You know, it's it's like emotional apathy. And that, I think, is the danger of, of this disease of loneliness, of not speaking up and connecting, of letting, I want to say letting yourself, but that implies, you know, that it's somebody's fault. But staying alone in the dark. It's the dark lies. It tells you that there's nobody that cares. Yeah, and nobody understands. I mean, I also, you know, had anorexia as well. And that was also... Oh, girl, me too. We're like soulmates. <laughs> No wonder I gravitated towards you, not even knowing that that was the case. But it's amazing because actually, the more people I speak to, the more they've gone through that too. So it's not like it's it's quite usual. 
actually. But as you say, like if nobody's talking about it, it seems bloody unusual. And you feel like the yeah. other out. But everybody's going so- somehow got some sort of picture of, of that in some sort of shape or form. But nobody's talking about it. So it's this vicious circle. But to give it a voice, you know, as you're saying, it's just give it a voice. And to have you and me, you know, for example, talk about it in a very kind of normal way. And I'm not wanting mm-hmm. to belittle it, just saying that it's possible to actually move through it and come out of it the other end and still be here and be fully self-expressed because actually this is what we're really talking about is to be fully self-expressed but I guess coming back to what we were saying you know before like sort of what came to mind was what would happen you know if somebody is going through a really tough time a dark time something that's really full-on but they feel they're so fearful of the rejection and and that they won't be loved if they if they just stepped up and started sharing what would you say to that like I know we've touched on it a little bit here with regards to just write for the people that you want to write for and don't worry about the rest but is there anything else you know speaking our truth it seems to be easier said than done because there's a lot of sense of like I don't want to rock the boat I don't want to be a nuisance. Oh my God, it's terrifying. It's yeah. absolutely terrifying. It's still terrifying every single time I hit publish. But I okay. will, I said this recently to somebody who I was, because like I said, I'm always trying to encourage people to write and, and everybody's always like, shut up, Liz, stop saying that to me. So <laughs> I said to one of my girlfriends the other day, um, we were talking about this and I said, yeah, you know, I've been called every name in the book. I've gotten, you know, terrible, threatening, hate-filled messages uh, at every avenue people will read something like you said on the Huffington Post and go through the trouble of finding my personal email which takes some digging and send me an email about what a terrible human being I am but but that was never in response any of the stuff that I shared that was a big stuff you know what I mean like when I say hey parenting is hard people are like shut up you stupid bitch but when I say listen I'm a survivor I tried to kill myself when I was 18 and I'm still standing here I have never ever had anybody say anything negative to me when I said something deep soul sharing like that and and I I mean I've said a lot I have a lot of those kind of stories to tell and I've told a lot of them and I've never had anything but positive feedback you know here's my story or here's my support or you know I think it's incredible that you're doing And and I don't do it because I need that validation. But what I'm saying is, I think your community is there. That's what I think. And and people aren't going to come after you for owning your story and standing up and telling it. They'll come after you for saying, you know, I I haven't slept through the night in 10 years and I'm tired because my kids wake me up and they say, well, what the hell? What did you expect? Why did you have children? Shut your legs, you dumb whore. But <laughs> they don't come after me for, for the real stuff. And I can take it on the other end. I don't, you know, who cares about that? Yeah, I've not seen it in that way. And yeah, there's something to be said for that really touching somebody's heart, touching somebody's soul, touching that sort of place of real compassion. Um, but also there's something else, which is that if our feelings are created through our thinking, um, and we're not responsible for anybody else's reality other than their own, then it would suggest that regardless of what people think or say, the important thing is here for you to liberate yourself regardless of what the other person thinks of you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, at my my deepest, darkest bottom as a writer, you know, when I first started writing, when when I was coming out of postpartum depression and then shortly thereafter when my mother died and I was just totally broken, I didn't even have any readers. You know, I wasn't writing so that people could say, yeah, you're amazing, you know, keep going. I was 
writing so that the words could go somewhere. It was writing in an attempt to try to figure out how I felt and what it meant, you know, and where to go. And in the end, I think that's what matters. I mean, I love the unity that I've built and I think we're pretty amazing, but I'd do it if there was no one there. Oh, I really heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really heard that. And, and what I heard is I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'm doing this to liberate myself. I'm doing this to free me, me up so that I can live more of this aliveness and this joy that is existent in me, regardless of what I'm thinking about myself. Which I think ends up being a gift to the world anyways. Not, I mean, not just me, but anybody, because then it makes me a better whatever, a better wife, a better mother, a better friend, a better sister, you know what I mean? It, it, if I can work on healing myself, then I can be more available to help the people that I care about. So yes, I agree with you that yes, I'm, I'm doing it for me and we should all be doing these things for ourselves. But in the end, you're doing it for yourself so that you can give back, I think. It just, that's just a cycle because that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah, thank you for the add-on. <laughs> <laughs> Because also what I, when I was hearing you speak, I was like, actually, there's, if, if we create more space inside of ourselves, there's, there's a, our capacity to be able to listen, truly listen to others, yeah. which is an opportunity for them to create space inside of themselves. And so it goes on. And that's on. how the world changes. Yeah. And it's exponential. I mean, really, I, I do think that's how the world changes. And I can love you better if my heart's not shattered. You know what I mean? It, I can be better for you if I'm patched up together. <laughs> and then you can patch up together and then you can go help other people. I mean, it sounds very hokey and idealistic. I know that. But I've lived in this world for years now and I think it's happening. I see more and more people every day, you know, standing up and saying, here's my story. And more and more people standing up and cheering for them as they tell it. You know, I, I do think this is how we change the world. I mean, I certainly seen it in my work, which is, you know, working with women to help them live a yeah. more joyful and alive life. And, and, and I've certainly seen it that, you know, once they're impacted, that they go off and impact others and they go off and impact others and they go off and impact others. And it just yeah. ripple effects, the ripple, the ripple, the ripple, the ripple, the ripple. And God, who better to fix the world than the mothers? I mean, we knew it was going to be the mothers anyways, right? <laughs> and for any blokes that are listening to this, don't worry, you're also cool. I mean, we love you too. <laughs> but, you know, you. So yeah, you're doing a great job. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's so interesting to me. I don't know if this happened to you but I didn't realize how much bullshit I was carrying until I had my son oh. like honestly like you know I'd done a lot of work on myself you know I've been in this industry for like 14 years I'd seen a lot I've I've done all the seminars blah 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 I thought wow you know I'm pretty I'm pretty I'm pretty good you know and then I had my son <laughs> and I'm like no and then the yeah, yeah, really? Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I don't think so. I think we give you some shit. Yeah, and it was and it's just been this huge journey of wow, I did not know I knew I did not know that I had that behavior inside of wow. I did mm-hmm. not know that I thought that. Oh my god, I didn't know that I, I was that mean or that nasty or that impatient or that hokey. I I did not know that. Like I and I see these behaviors yeah. and I'm like, wow, they would not have been there. Like, I would not have known that if I hadn't had my son. And um, What a whole new capacity for healing, though, really. I mean, it's yeah. like you stripped away all these layers, you know? But I don't think I've told anyone this, but my husband and I have this 
thing that we say, like, everybody is carrying around a bag full of shit, you know? I mean, especially as we get older and people have had all these life experiences, like, you know, some people's bags might be more full than somebody else's or somebody's might be more fragrant than somebody else's or something, but we're all carrying our shit, you know? I mean, we're all trudging through this experience carrying our shit. And whatever we can do to make that load lighter, you know, God, why wouldn't we do it? Have kids. Have kids and unload it. The first time I screamed at my kids, and now I'm on I'm on record as saying, yes, I scream at my kids sometimes. It does happen. But the first time I did it, I couldn't talk afterwards because my voice had never done that in my life prior to having children. Because I was never a yeller. Having children made me a yeller, you know? <laughs> I was using parts of my body I'd never used before, apparently, my vocal cords. Yeah, I mean, it changes you. It makes you do things you don't even recognize. No, right? And it was interesting. I, um, I think I've shared this story before, but it feels pertinent to share it again, which is I used to really dread my son coming home. And I know for any mother that's listening to this, be like, oh my God, how awful. Yeah, no, I used to. And it and it was and it was getting in the way of me being able to just enjoy my my relationship with him. It's not like I was doing it on purpose. It was just this dread that would fill up and I'd be like, Oh my God, what am I gonna what am I gonna do with my son when he gets home? How am I gonna entertain him? How am I anyway? So I would find anything else to do aside from just being with him. So I'd, you know, I'd I'd go into the kitchen. I'd start making dinner or I would just do anything other than be with him. And I was finding this really, really difficult because I was like, I really want to connect with my son, but I'm finding it really hard to do so. And I remember going to the park that day and suddenly just hearing this voice inside of me that just said it's okay the way you feel was the way your mother felt you don't need to and I was like now I'm getting emotional I did not know that but you said any mothers listening to this would be like oh my god how horrible and I, I do not agree with that statement <laughs> I think any mothers listening to that would say yeah girl I get you I feel that sometimes I mean yeah who doesn't feel that sometimes that's the struggle I mean I when I was researching your podcast and I I was thinking about, you know, joy and and what joy as a mother is. And it's not this idea, I don't think anyways, of like, you know, Donna Reed in an apron smiling all the time because everything is wonderful and we love vacuuming and we love, you know, preparing dinner. It's those moments. It's moments. You know, like life is, it's a series of beautiful moments interrupted by, you know, a whole lot of crap all the time. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, your kid comes home from school and oh, of course you're excited to see your child and you love your child, but it's also okay to say, uh, okay, here we go. You know, I have to, I have to do this now. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I think that's it. That's like the duality of motherhood right there. You know, that's, the joy and the pain all mixed up together is a perfect example. That's us yeah. working through our shit. Yeah. And, and, and to know that, the behaviors that have come around didn't really belong to, didn't belong to me. That was really cool to see. They didn't belong yep. to me and then I could drop them. That was also yep. very cool to see. And, and to, to know that my, my, any kind of weird behavior that I have, that it's actually innocent, that it's not ever going to be intentional. Like, I don't, I don't know about you, Liz, but I don't intentionally go out and, and get angry at my son or intentionally become him. It just shows up in an energy and I'm like, whoa, okay here we go. It's not something that is um, intentional per se. It just comes and you're like, oh, okay, that was interesting. But it's an opportunity for us to get curious about it, right? And to have more compassion towards ourselves um, Mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. I don't know. And then therefore, more more 
compassion towards other people. You know, I mean, it's easy to be in the grocery store and see a mother screaming at her kids and go, oh my God, you know, what's wrong with her? What's she doing wrong? Then you can see yourself in it if you look at it a different way. You know, I mean, who hasn't been there? Who hasn't been in a situation where, you know, they've been the person that's being judged by other people? If you can find compassion for yourself, I think, therefore, there to four, you can find compassion for other people. And then again, we're back to, you know, creating this better world where <laughs> we're all a little bit less likely to judge each other for the stuff that shows up. Yeah, there's more love and understanding. I think that that's the really key thing here, which is, yeah, just love, more love and understanding for ourselves and for others. Yeah. So Liz, my love, what are you giving yourself <laughs> more of these days? Like in terms of, I asked this question, you know where this question comes from? It came from a place of like, often we, we, we stop ourselves from doing the very things that we want to do with our life because it's almost like I'm, I don't give myself permission to do that yet. And especially, yeah. especially as women, right? I think. Oh my God, yeah. So I'm curious, like, what are you giving yourself? Permission. Well, that's, it's funny that you should ask. I, I just came from a writing conference, uh, which I wasn't going to go to. And then at the last minute, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because something in me was calling out that I needed it. And I structured, I mean, they had all these sessions like on, you know, how to how to do Pinterest and whatever. And I was like, well, that's all great and fine, but I need the inspirational crap oh, over here. So I structured all my sessions so that I went to the, you know, like the pep talks. Like I, it was basically like a 72-hour pep talk with an open bar which is like what heaven would be like if you ask me <laughs> and I came back from that like so refreshed and energized and ready to throw myself into some of the stuff that just like you said I've been holding myself back just a little bit from you know? and I think that's what we do we say yeah I'd love to write my book I'd love to write for other sites and freelance but I'm going to grow really slow because that's what's safe and that's what feels comfortable to me I'm going to uh, write just a little bit because that feels safe and comfortable to me. I'm going to tell that story, but I'm going to maybe leave out a couple of those details that make me look like a total a-hole because that feels safe and comfortable to me. You know what I mean? And and so I'm kind of like, well, what if I just threw myself all in? Let's oh, see what happens. Right. What does that look like? <laughs> it looks like totally feeling uh, vulnerable and naked. You know, like that dream where you show up at high school and you have no clothes on? It's like that, except all the time. You know, I was going to say, you're going to take your clothes off. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't, I don't have my high school body anymore, so it's worse. I'm sure it's beautiful. It's just, you know, different. <laughs> you've had four kids, and I think you need to give yourself a mm-hmm. So, Liz, my love. That's kind of what all these, you know, all these people who stood up and spoke, who I, I stole my inspiration from, they were like, so what? So what if you feel vulnerable and exposed? I mean, just feel vulnerable and exposed then. And that's like, it's kind of like I, I, what you were saying about how you realize that these behaviors are coming out of you. Um, and as soon as you realize that it's involuntary, you know, that it's innocent, like you said, which is such a beautiful word for it, then you can just go, okay, I mean, this is what I'm feeling right now. And that's okay. And as soon as you do that, you've kind of given yourself some freedom to move through it. Same with the anger I think when you're yelling at your kid not you personally but you know the collective you when we're when we're yelling at our children in the grocery store as soon as you go oh my god what am I doing then you can kind of just go all right I'm gonna move through this yeah because beating ourselves up about the fact that we've just done that doesn't help anybody it doesn't actually you know and even if you know and even if we do do it it's okay but there is no there is no sense in in doing that and then beating ourselves up about it for months on end to kind of go oh yeah like 
it just happened and and it's okay it's okay it's okay to be human okay it's okay i want that tattooed on my forehead it's okay <laughs> so liz if someone wants to read your blog and 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 say me too where can they find you so it's just my name lizpatron.com uh which is patron not like the tequila unfortunately so it's <laughs> l-i-z-p-e-t-r-o-n-e lizpatron.com wonderful well, thank you so much, Liz, uh, for being on the show today. Thank I, you. I so enjoyed this conversation. I know. I could definitely keep going for a long time. Oh, God, me too. We're going to have to do it offline. <laughs> or part two, part three. Part four. Every yes, year we'll have a, like, it's, it's a Liz Petrona Marina show. <laughs> Yay. Yes. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on the show today. It was wonderful to hear. I mean, just what a beautiful way to talk about you know, self-expression and, and to do it in your way. Um, Cause I guess it's, you know, ways of doing it. So, and for those of you that have been listening, hopefully you got as much out of it as, uh, as we both did actually. Till the next time, bye for now. And there we have it. Another amazing episode of the joy of being to accompany you during this crazy time of year. Remember you're not on your own. You can reach out and you're okay no matter what. If you are tired of the insanity and the juggle that summer brings, remember to get in touch for your free instant mum relief accelerator call worth £500 at bit.ly slash instant mum relief. That's bit.ly slash instant mum relief and book your call there. So until next week's episode, remember you are the joy you seek. <laughs>